So today I'm going to talk about a topic. I, I can't say that I am an expert in this topic, and no, it is not end times, which I also don't claim to be an expert on. Exactly. My rabbi in New Jersey, when I, in the congregation I was saved in, in Beth Zion in New Jersey, um, he used to say that, you know, everybody's either pre-trib, post-trib, this trib, that trib, mid-trib. You know, when it talks about end times, he used to call himself a, a pan-millennialist. And I said, Rabbi, what does that mean? He says, it'll all pan out in the end. And that's kind of where I am as well. Uh, but there is a topic that I'm going to talk about, and again, I am not an expert on it. So uh, some people or most people know here that the Torah, the, the books of Moses are split into portions, or in Hebrew, parshot, uh, parshas, uh, which, and in every synagogue around the world, it is read. Um, the same portion of the book of books of Moses is read in every synagogue around the world. And this week is the last portion in the book of Numbers, Bab Midbar, the book of Numbers. And so I was reading it, and something in the book kind of spoke to me and said, this is where you're going to talk. And I'm like, okay. And it, was, it had really nothing as much to do with the story as Fran was saying that the, the, the Torah portion starts with, these are the journeys of the children of Israel. And it recaps every ending point, every starting point, every ending point, every starting point, every ending point. It recounts everything. And the reality in that, the mystery in that, is that everywhere you go, every, everywhere that Adonai has you rest, and every place that Adonai has you move is essential and worthy of recount. And is not a waste. Everywhere he has you. So that is the reality of why every single stopping place and starting and journey is recounted at the end because nothing is wasted. There's so much truth and revelation that we almost realize that. That you are on a journey, we're all on a journey, and none of it is a waste of time. But when he started out the journey, it said that the children of Israel set forth from Ramses. And uh, it, it, it spoke a little bit about the plagues and how God took Israel out from Egypt by a mighty hand and by great signs and wonders, and he pretty much pummeled Egypt. But then it says something, which I'm not really an expert on, and it said, at that time, God also executed judgment on the God's of Egypt. And that's even something that was mentioned in the beginning in Exodus 12. It says that there is judgment against the gods of Egypt during this time, and you can't really see that so much if you're experiencing the tribulation unless you really have eyes to see and really have ears to hear what is happening in the spiritual realm. Because in the natural, it just looks like God is kicking some butt. It just looks like he's kicking some tuchus. Looks like he's kicking some Egyptian tuchus. And he's making his name great. He's, make, he's, he's, he's distinguishing himself. And he's, he's, he's doing anything and everything to pummel Egypt and set his people out of slavery free. To the children of Israel, all they had to do was sit there and watch. 
They didn't have to do anything. They just had to watch what the Lord did with all these plagues. To the Egyptians, they may have, they may have thought, oh my God, spiritually something's happened. If they weren't very spiritual people, they probably would have thought they were in some sort of environmental crisis. Maybe global warming. But it says that God was executing a judgment on false gods. So in the midst of all this insanity that was happening on the earth, there was spiritual battle concurrently happening. And this is a spiritual reality that we don't always... Look at you wearing the talit. Hmm. Hey, I'm allowed. She's my wife. Hmm. Look at you in that talit over there. Hey, look at you in that talit over there. You look so cute in that talit with the colors and everything. Hey, look at you in that talit over there. <laughs> All right, I'll, I'm back. In Yeshua's name, Amen. let's go home. No. Okay. I love my wife. I think it's perfect. We're good. Um, So anyway, in the midst of earthly calamity, there is legitimate spiritual battle happening. Things happening, moving in the spirit that we don't always see, that I don't always see, but we must understand that God is a warrior. He is a fighter and he will not stand for other gods to be worshipped. And I've said that the last three weeks. You know, the, the end game of this thing, as much as we seek unity and peace in the world, and love in the world, and that's a good thing. I, I, I want that. That's a good thing. At the end of the day, it's not, at the, the end of it, when Messiah comes and the word of the Lord is revealed around the world, it's, it's sorry, but it's, at the end of it is not the Jews and the Muslims and the Christians and the Hindus living together in unity. It's just not. I'm sorry. That's where we are now, and I love it. I enjoy it. I, I love uh, diversity and multiculturalism. I love these things. But the end, the end game is not, is not the, the it's, it's not democracy that we're getting at. It's not a freedom of religion. It's theocracy, to be honest with you. It's the Lord shall be king over all the earth. And the Lord shall be one. It's not like in the end, Adonai and Allah are going to, hey, we can do a horror together, hallelujah, we're one. That's not the way it's going to be. Nor is it going to be this universal thing that everybody's going to have a revelation that no matter which way they're worshiping, it all goes to the same place. That's universalist. That's not the way it is. God is a jealous God. And any other God will be conquered. And his, the knowledge of the true God will come to everybody. And that's so he's a jealous God. So we see wars happening in the spirit. And that is a reality. And we need to be encouraged about that because God fights on behalf of Israel. And that's one of the reasons you are grafted into Israel. Because it says you receive the promises. And one of the promises and one of the blessings that God fights for Israel 
So he has to make this spiritual reality of Israel go all around the world, and he does that through people accepting Yeshua, the Messiah, and then they are grafted into Israel, and they get all the blessings of Israel, including the spiritual warfare that's happening in the heavenlies on your behalf. We see the story in, in, uh, in, the, in, in the book of one of the kings, second kings, I believe, of Elisha. And I believe in English it's normally pronounced Elisha, the guy that came after Elijah. But in Hebrew, it's Elisha. And if you want to do a little study on Elisha, he speaks a lot. He's a foreshadow of Mashiach, Messiah himself, because we know that Messiah is, is, is preceded by Elijah. And we even see that with John the Baptist, who came in the spirit of Elijah. And even in Judaism and Passover, they, they know, well, that's why they sing Eliyahu Hanavi. It's, it's, a, it's a call for Elijah to come because they know when Elijah comes, that Messiah is right around the corner. So in the, natu- so in, in the, the, the pure sense of this, of, of this verse, you could take a look at Elijah and who came after him, and you could see foreshadows of Yeshua. Do you understand that? So you could study Elisha and get an understanding of how he resurrected the dead and healed the sick and things like that. So now this is an incredible story. And Father, may we have eyes to see what you are doing in the heavenlies, in the spirit. Because we don't always see it. Because we're just human. But there was this amazing story that Aram, the kingdom of Aram, was coming against Israel. And the king of Aram would strategize on where am I going to attack Israel. And he would say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to attack over here, like where the blue flag is. And I'm going to sneak attack him from there. But then all of a sudden, Elisha, the prophet, would go, oh, King Aram is going to go from over Aram is going to go over there. So he would go to the king of Israel and say, uh, the king of Aram and his army is going to come over where the blue flag is. So get over there now and meet him there so you can conquer him. So you, so you won't, so you can sneak attack him. So then Aram would come, and, and Israel would be there. And then he would try to sneak attack this way, and Israel would already be there. And he's like, how the heck is this happening? And his people said, he said, like, is, who here is a spy? Who, who's, who's a tattletale over here? Hercules Mulligan. <laughs> who here is the spy? And then he said, um, and then, then the people said, no, 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 you don't understand. They, they got this prophet over there named Elisha. Everything you strategize in your bedroom, they, he, he hears. So he said, well, that's it. I'm going to come after this guy, Elisha. He's my next target. So he brings his army. He brings his chariots. He brings his warriors. And he's going to go there marching towards where Elisha is in Dothan. And, and, and Elisha has a servant, just like Elisha was the servant of Eliyahu. He has a servant, and the servant is like shaking in his boots. And Elisha says, oh, Adonai, open up his eyes to see that there are more with us than with them. And he's like, what are you talking about? It's just you and me here, man. And then the, the veil gets opened and there are chariots of fire and of lightning and of smoke all around the place. Spiritual battle is available and is a reality when there's chaos in the natural. But know that Elisha, who is a foreshadow of Messiah, does an amazing thing. He says, I don't I blind these people that are coming. They lose their sight. Now they're all blind. The whole army's blind. So Elisha goes to them and says, 
you know, who are you looking for? Well, we're looking for this guy, Elisha. The Englishmen call him Elisha. Where is he? We can't see a thing. And Elisha goes, I'll lead you there. And he brings him right into Samaria where the king of Israel is again. And then he says, oh, God, open up their eyes. And all of a sudden, the, uh, the Aram army, um, oh, their eyes are open. They open their eyes and they're like, holy smoke, we're in Samaria. There's the king of, uh, how did this happen? So then the king goes, they're in my hands. Elisha, should I kill him? Should I take them all? They're all in my hands. Elisha says, are you kidding me? Here's the Yeshua foreshadow. Go prepare a meal for them. Go prepare a meal. Go prepare a feast. Go sit down with them and have a snack. A big feast. So they all ate together. <laughs> Is that crazy? Like the two you know, armies that are in conflict with each other, they're sitting there having a meal together. And it says that the, ar- the army of Aram went away after the meal, went away, and never bothered Israel again. Amen. Spiritual battle happening on behalf of his people and is happening on behalf of us because we are grafted in to Israel. Whether we are natural branches from the lineage or whether we're wild branches that are grafted into the same tree, the armies of God are fighting, are warring. And when we see craziness, even in this country, there is spiritual activity going on. Adonai, open up our eyes to see what you are doing above and beyond the insanity down here. In the beginning, God also said, let me separate the waters from above, the waters of above from the waters of below. The waters from above are the living waters of Yeshua. The waters of below will drown you, will kill you, will bring you into a whirlpool. Help us, Adonai, as the world, the waters of the world are tumultuous. Help us, Adonai, to stay in the waters of heaven, the living waters of heaven where Yeshua is. Help us to operate from there. Help us to see what you are doing from there. So I want you to know that even though God battles on behalf of Israel. It's not just a national thing. It is a personal thing. Daniel was in Babylon. He was part of the captives that were, that were, that were, that were kicked out by force by God from Egypt and went to Babylon and they had to live there for 70 years. And it says that Daniel went into a time, a three-week time of, of fasting and of mourning. And it's interesting, three weeks, he wouldn't need food. It's interesting, it says that the fast ended on the 24th day of the first month. That means he did all this through Passover, which is all in the first month. He skipped Passover. Because Passover is a time that you eat lamb, and Passover is a time that you drink wine. But he didn't do any of that during his time of fast, so it's, it's really interesting in that way. But he was fasting and mourning for three weeks, and then it says that at the end of that, after 21 days, it says that an angel came to visit him and said that I've been wanting to come with you since day one of your fast. But for three weeks, I was held up by the prince of Persia. 
for three weeks. So don't think if, you are, if you're in a place where you're like on your face or you're, 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 you know, you're humbling yourself and you think it's just you, know that there is warfare happening in the heavenlies, that you, your prayers are being heard. It says right from the day that he humbled himself, the, the angel wanted to go and give him a word. But he was held back by the prince of Persia, which is obviously a dark force. For three weeks, and then another angel, Michael, had to come and take care of the battle so this other guy can go and give a word to Daniel. This is what it says. It's an amazing thing. But I share this not to just give a lot of explanation of what's happening, just to, so you know and be encouraged that Adonai is at war in heaven, that his angels are, in, are, are warring on behalf of Israel, on behalf of you, and your prayers are heard. And, you, you know, you're, you're humbling yourself and everything that you do, these things are heard. These things are heard. And then after the angel came, he says, okay, I got to go back to the prince of Persia. And then the prince of Greece is on his way. And that was clearly a prophecy because Greece wasn't yet the, 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 a kingdom like an empire. That's the first time we even hear of Greece in the Bible. So there is so much happening in the spiritual realm. So be encouraged that Adonai is fighting. Adonai is in charge. Adonai has said his angels, the Psalms say that his angels in camp around those who fear him. That's a revelation. That's a mystery. That's a connection to the tabernacle because you have the tabernacle was the Mishkan and you had all the people of Israel encamped around it. And Adonai is saying that the angels, he puts angels encamped around those who fear him. Psalm 91 says, look at you in that talit. Angels take charge. Say it again. He commands the angels to take charge over you so you won't hit your foot against a stone. So, Father, we thank you, Adonai, that you are in control, that you are doing incredible, incredible things. You, Father, in the heavens, there is, there is warfare happening in the heavens. And, Father, help us to understand that you are on our side that all things happen for your good, for your glory. Help us to understand, Adonai, that nothing is happening that we see that is by accident. Help us to understand that nothing is by accident. Nothing is by accident. There's so much turmoil, and especially in election cycles, there's so much turmoil. There is nothing happening that is outside of his control. He is the God who goes over chaos and speaks, let there be light. Yea, he or. And if we don't see it in the natural, we need to pray the prayer of Elisha. Say, Adonai, open my eyes so I see that there's more with me than there are with them. There's more with us than there are with them. Father, you are a great and mighty and awesome God. And you will not rest until your glory covers the entire earth. That's the strategic plan. How you execute that plan is your business. Just help us, Father, to be your, your soldiers down here as you needed. There was another time in American history that was where America was full of turmoil. I was just uh, watching a documentary on. It was a few years ago, maybe 40 years ago. It was a time of uh, 
Richard Nixon. Richard Nixon was a very, very popular president. I think in 1972 he won like 48 out of 50 states or something like that. You know, promised to bring an end to the Vietnam War. But then all of a sudden something happened. Some CIA folk got caught, you know, going into the Watergate Hotel, stealing some documents from the DNC, from the forerunners of Hillary Clinton and Bernie Sanders. And the war on the, the America was in turmoil. It was, an, it was just incredible controversy that was happening in our, in our country at this time. And, 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 and Nixon was going nuts. I'm not a crook. I'm not a crook. I mean, he was going crazy almost. And it just plagued him. This controversy plagued his presidency. All of a sudden, in the middle of this whole controversy, on Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement, 1973, right in the middle of this hell that was going on in this country, Egypt and Syria and Arab countries sneak attacked Israel. On Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement, when all Israelis are not eating, they're mourning, they're fasting, in like their weakest state. And Egypt and Syria go in and attack Israel, and other Arab countries attack at that time, and and Israel was being defeated. And like it it got to this point where uh, Golda Meir, who was the prime minister at the time, yes, female, we preceded the America thing by a generation, um, you know, was actually, was, it said that she had, like, poison pills. She was ready to take it if she was captured. But all of a sudden, in the, in, the, in the middle of this attack, when Israel was being defeated, and every time Israel is attacked, there is a spiritual warfare happening. Because every attack on Jerusalem, is a, there's a spiritual warfare happening as well. And then all of a sudden, at 3 in the morning, she calls up this beleaguered president, Richard Nixon, and she said, man... We really need some arms. Well, we're not going to make it. And this beleaguered president, who wasn't exactly friendly to Jews, I mean, it's documented that he was saying, like, don't trust the Jews. It's written. Like, the Jews in his, in his cabinet, like Kissinger, like, don't, we can't really trust them too much. Like, not nice things about Jewish people. Gets a call from Golda Meir. Golda Meir says, we need some arms or else we're, we're goners. And he fulfills that promise and sends loads of arms to Israel and enabled Israel to stave off the attack and to remain a nation. Ten months later, he stepped down as president. So in the middle of all the craziness, the chaos, the insanity, the whirlwind of the waters of below... Adonai had a plan because there was also battle happening in the heavenlies. And he used this one beleaguered president. And I'm not saying he was a good guy or a bad guy, and I'm not saying anything about him, but whoever he was and wherever he was, and where, at what, whether he was a faithful man or just a not a faithful man, God used him in a moment to save Israel from destruction in the middle of all this chaos that was happening in this country, God saved Israel because he is warring on Israel's behalf and warring on our behalf.
because we have accepted his son into our hearts. The king of Israel lives in our hearts. So be encouraged. The weapons of warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God for the pulling down of strongholds. We don't wage war against flesh and blood, but powers and principalities.